This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, if you attended the Blueberry Convention a few weeks ago, you saw quite a few technology providers anxious to bring their products to the blueberry fields. One thing we hear from growers is that it's not so simple as just purchasing the technology. There needs to be a clear return on investment, and it needs to seamlessly integrate in the overall operation. That's part of the reason we as an industry have invested in the Berry Smart Project. Steve Mantle and his team have kicked off the first Berry Smart Project last year. Uh, it's the Berry Smart Fields there at Sakuma Brothers and Blue Mountain Farm. And we thought we'd invite him back on this podcast to let us know how that first year went and what we can expect this year. So, Steve, thanks for joining us on the business of blueberries. Casey, it's great to be here. And um, I absolutely love listening to this show and talking to your audience. Thanks so much. Well, our regular listeners will remember the first time you were here hearing about the Barry Smart field back on episode 100. But to refresh our memories, tell us a little bit about your background and what prompted you to start Innovate Ag. Well, I came from a tech background. I worked um, a dozen years or so at Microsoft in product management positions, mergers and acquisitions. And I was used to having data at my fingertips. And I spent a little bit of time on farms growing up and wanted to get back into that world in my adulting years. And it was very apparent to me that growers don't have as much data perhaps as they would like, or it's in all these different spots and it's really hard to synthesize in terms of making decisions. And while I was at Microsoft, we had that at our fingertips. So, the role of Innovate Ag is to synthesize and simplify data to help growers make decisions that impact their outcomes. That's awesome. Well, and we, we know that we kind of got kicked off conversations about other projects you do in agriculture. The Smart Orchard was certainly the inspiration for thinking about this from a, a blueberry perspective. Um, so we're glad to have you here. We're, we want to talk about you know where we've arrived in this kind of first year. So we'll talk about that. But also joining us on this episode is USHBC NABC Vice President of Engagement and Education, Amanda Griffin. Amanda, you've been engaged with the Berry Smart Field Project since you got here. And so for those who might be hearing about this for the first time, maybe you can explain a little bit about the project and why we wanted to do this and what our objectives are. Sure. Thanks, Casey. And so glad we're back here with Steve uh, reporting back on where we are with the Berry Smart Field. So for those that are just now joining us on this project, as we all know, the future of ag ties closely to innovations and um, advancements within that tech space. And so the Berry Smart Field is, is this collaborative effort between growers, researchers, and tech providers to optimize that blueberry 
farming operations. And so we are just in that beginning phase of this, and I'm very excited to see how it grows and to hear from Steve today on where that first year went. But um, a couple of the things that we hope to work on and focus on fall within the focus on soil, the nutrients, yield distribution, weather, chemicals, and, and of course, labor. And so working closely with Steve and Innovate Ag to really kick this thing off and get moving. So again, I look forward to the, the call today, but that's sort of where it started. And, and it started about a, a year ago, we launched that first field or two fields rather, and we've been full steam ahead. Yeah, well, it's been great. And I think that a part that people were impressed about when we were in Nashville and we were giving kind of that, you know, recap report for 2022 for those who were there, it really clicked for a lot of people on what this project was representing so that the tech and innovation committee that helped kind of launch this into existence on the USHBC side, it's been an impressive first year. So Steve, I thought we'd just start off by talking about that first year, you know, what tech partners you worked with, the growers that you worked with in the field itself, and then you know, I do want to talk a little bit about just how inspiring the Berry Smart Field project has been to our program as a whole. So we'll just start there on, on what tech partners we partnered with in the first year. Yeah, well, growers first, right? So let's start with a couple of sites that we started with. Many of you know, of course, Sakuma Brothers. So we felt very fortunate to work with them up in Northwest Washington. And that uh, is a conventional set of blueberries, raised bed, and then out in the dry side of the state, eastern Washington, we worked with Shirley Mason at Applegate uh, Orchard slash Blue Mountain Farms. She's all organic and, and in-ground. So, that was a lot of fun working with the two very different climates. On the western side, we found ourselves buried in, in May. I remember literally almost up to our knees in water. <laughs> in some spots. Eastern Washington on the other side was nice and dry throughout the whole season. So, we worked with Washington State University's Ag WeatherNet, which is a weather partner that has stations across Washington and bleeds a little bit, I believe, down in Oregon as well. We worked with Centec on soil moisture probes. They're definitely the gold standard out there, an Australian firm that measures the soil moisture and temperature at, uh, I believe it's every six inches all the way down to two or three feet. And then on the soil mapping side, we use sensors from Soil Optics, a Canadian company that uh, has something called a spectrometer that reads the gamma rays that naturally emit from the soil to map the pH, organic matter, texture and macro and micronutrient distribution across the blocks. And then finally, Green Atlas is a capability of sensors that sits on the back of a side-by-side. -side. And it's like paparazzi for blueberries. So, it takes pictures of each and every plant and the berries that are on it or blossoms early in the season and digitizes those so that we can look at the size of each plant and the number of blossoms and later on the season berries. That's pretty remarkable. And, uh, and, and that technology in particular is what's helping estimate yield. That's exactly right. And so, it was really the first time that these sensors had been used. They've been used in apples and kiwis and grapes. They hadn't yet been used in blueberries. 
And so we crossed our fingers and said, hey, let's give this a go and see what we can do on, on pulling this together. One thing that we found, we knew going into this, is that we were going to have a hard time getting access to the blocks as fruit set kicks in because, of course, you've got these bushes that are leaning in and it's hard enough to get something like a, a zero turn radius mower up and down the rows, let alone a side by side. And so we'll talk about how we are circumventing that as we're going into 2023, but that did limit later in the season which blocks we could actually map. They needed to be younger blocks. And uh, ultimately, collaborating with Sakuma Brothers, ended up getting, I think, was 99.5% accuracy when it came to yield prediction based on stripping the berries in a, I think it was six or so plants that we did, and then comparing that against the pack out as it ran through the production line at the end of the season. Yeah, that's remarkable. I know that's what caught folks' attention in what this project's designed to do, because in fact, you know, when we think about being very smart and the way in which the industry could really benefit from yield estimations, this is such a important piece of work, knowing that most of the estimates, especially the crop forecast that NABC does twice a year, uh, is really delivered anecdotally. You know, it's basically from the fields, growers getting together, kind of talking about what they see as coming on and what that prediction will be in terms of, you know, a crop forecast. But but this is really taking, you know, technology and and letting that technology help determine what otherwise growers would be determining themselves by sight or however growers uh, accomplish their yield estimates. So it sounds like even in this first year, you know, that that technology is showing promise that, you know, it could be trusted. You've got this one example, we're trying to expand that into even more places and exciting to hear that you enjoyed some initial success in, in yield estimation there. Yeah, let's keep that success going. The key that we're pushing on this year, and we did actually last year, uh, was we actually also mapped the blossom distribution on the plants. And uh, just a little bit, partly because I was freezing cold and, and trying to stay warm walking around Sakuba Brothers up in Mount Vernon, Washington, while our team was out there driving up and down these rows, uh, I noticed the um, hives that were placed around the block. And I said, you know, ah, you never know, this might be useful. So, we basically geotagged each and every one of the hives that were placed around this particular block that we were mapping. And then we scratched our head at the end of the season and said, you know, okay, we actually have a map now of the location of the hives and the density, if you will, which are stacks of four versus 10. We've got a map of the variability on the blossoms. And we've got a map of the actual number of blueberries and distribution of blueberries, basically the, the fruit set. Why don't we use that to actually take a look at where the bees went and did their job versus where they struggled to get into? And so, I had some pretty interesting insights there as well. Yeah. Well, I want to dig a little bit into that because I know we, we had you moderate the bee panel here at our most recent blueberry convention. Um, but before we talk about that, I thought we would turn to Amanda. You know, from your perspective, how did you feel like this first year went? Anything you want to add? Well, I mean, I think Steve did a great recap on how that year went. I feel like what it did is it set the foundation for the future of where we can go and also elevated the Berry Smart Field platform 
two other tech solutions out there, which is making it a lot easier to have those discussions that Steve's having with his team and that we're having for the future tech that we're going to get onto the field. So I feel like it was a really good foundation year for us for this this project. And I'm not going to reveal where we're going just yet because I think Steve is going to share a little bit about that. But it is it's exciting to have that first year under your belt. I feel like that first year you learn a couple things. Steve, like you said, you discovered things along the way where we'll be starting to plan those things from the start. And so I think it was a great foundational year for the program. Yeah. I mean, Steve, from your perspective, what, what would be the takeaway from this first year that stands out to you the most, you know, from your experience, obviously you connected some dots with the way we do our pollination as an industry, but what were some of the takeaways from your perspective? Well, I would say first is that the yield map, I was surprised. I I thought we would get moderately accurate yield prediction and we nailed it. And so the key now, as you mentioned earlier, is great. We had a sample of one. Let's actually roll this out on some other fields and see how well that plays out. Two was the pollination side of things, which again, we can kind of delve more into, it it was something we really stumbled into and really had some fascinating conversations with growers now on looking at even just the economics of hive placement, number of hives in terms of density, um, how that's looked at in terms of the hive to acre ratio on the West Coast versus the East Coast, bumblebees versus honeybees. Etc. And then I'd say a third would be the soil data. Well, the growers are doing a hell of a good job, I would say, on the soil in the two instances that we mapped out last year. And we've done a couple of projects in the past where we'd seen some pH variability that had a very high correlation with impact on outcomes with regards to yield and even size of, of plants. So I'll be interested to see how that evolves this year as we're adding on a third location. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about the things that were unexpected. I know one of the things that I wasn't expecting was as much of the dot connecting to move forward with the other technology companies that have shown interest in the field. That was unexpected to me. I mean, I I knew we were going to start with a certain level of technology. I don't know that I knew that other companies were going to come around this as quickly as they seemingly have. So Amanda, any other surprises from or unexpected results this year from your perspective? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. For me, it was just exactly that. It's it's those conversations that we're having now for the future tech to get onto the fields. It's the response from the industry to expand regionally as well, which is something I know we'll touch on. So it's it's those reactions to where, you know, you, you start a, a program and obviously it came a lot from our tech committee's insights, but you start something and, and you hope that it's going to have some legs to stick and it It's not that I did not expect it to stick. I just didn't expect it to stick as quickly as it did. So it's encouraging because it's encouraging as we invest more within this space and with more partnerships on the tech provider side. Yeah. And the push from the industry to say, what about this? One of them that came out of, of the recent convention was harvesters. What companies are getting involved from the harvesting side of things? And so that was an interesting conversation, especially since we didn't have a, a big presence of harvester companies down at the at the convention in San Diego on, you know, trying to answer that question. So, Steve, what about you? Surprises, things unexpected from it in the first year? Well, I would point to Blueberry Lane in San Diego this year and huge kudos to Amanda in that she 
rallied the troops. It was great to see, you know, Monarch Tractor there and Burrow and uh, B-Wise, B-Hero, B-Flow, and a, a handful of other ag tech companies as well. I, I wasn't super surprised to, to see the interest, uh, but to actually have them start showing up to uh, Blueberry Lane, that was awesome. Really excited to see that. And, and the funny thing was I was out at World Ag Expo just the week before or a couple of weeks before out in Tulare. And some of you as listeners have probably been out to that event. If you haven't, do check it out. World Ag Expo, 100 plus acres of farm equipment once a year. And there's over 100,000 farmers there. Just a hoot and a half. And um, some of these guys were, were out there as well. And so it was neat to see them again the following week prioritize showing up at Blueberry Lane and how interested they are. And then I'd say the other piece, just in terms of surprise, like I mentioned earlier, was, boy, pollination wasn't really on the radar in the first place. So to have that and then engage with uh, Lisa DeVetter at Washington State University that was doing some research around it anyway and validate, you know, actually, these numbers kind of make sense. And frankly, Steve... We've never actually been able to count the blossoms across blocks. So seeing this is, is really helpful. I'd say those were a top couple of things for sure. Absolutely. Well, and we were just, you know, talking to growers after convention and the impression they got from, I think, the bee panel. I mean, I think, you know, we certainly have been talking about bees on this podcast and inviting a number of those companies to come talk about their technologies. But you can just feel the influence across the industry, I guess is what I'm saying. Whether it's a dot that we're connecting directly or it's because it's being discussed at convention or by the council, you know, getting this technology to be seen East Coast, West Coast, you know, Southeast, Pacific Northwest, making sure that there is this conversation that's, you know, kind of universal in its landscape of influence. That's what I think is really, really great about this project. You're not hiding the ball here. We're literally saying like, these are the different technologies we're working with. These are the ones that we're hearing people are asking us now to work with and consider how they could be a part of the Very Smart Field Project. So it's it's been a fantastic first year, I, I think. And, and I think our, our now tech task force, who's going to be a large part of helping kind of think through some of the tech that would go into these tech fields, is going to be really helpful as well. So I want to talk a little bit about what's happening this year in the Berry Smart Fields. But before we do, let's time for our crop report. The domestic season has begun and we will have reports still coming in from Mexico and Peru. So here, once again, is your Blueberry Crop Report. It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Brittany Lee in Florida, Darren Wheeler in Georgia, Jody McPherson in North Carolina, Mario Ramirez in Mexico, Eric Staffney reporting for Louisiana and Mississippi, Luis Vegas in Peru, and Elise Oliver in California. This was recorded on April 19th, 2023. Hi, this is Brittany Lee with this week's Florida Crop Report. Florida is experiencing cool temperatures overnight and early mornings this week, but the weather outlook for the next 10 days looks great. Farms are reporting anywhere from 40 to 80% through their harvest. Farms in the southern region are reporting they're almost finished with their harvest, while farms in the northern part of the state are right now hitting their peak. Year to date, we have harvested approximately 11 million pounds of fresh from Florida fruit. Quality continues to be excellent this season, and we're looking to finish strong. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Darren Wheeler. I'll be reporting for Georgia. Georgia is now in the initial peak of the southern highbush season and should continue peak volumes for the next two to three weeks. 
All Southern Highbush varieties are now being harvested with the exception of Legacy. The main varieties being harvested include Farthing, Patricia, Rebel, Metalark, and Optimus. Most growers now state that they're finishing up with their Georgia Dawn. Current weather patterns are causing slight delays in crop ripening. Currently, the weather is in the low 50s and highs in the low 80s. Labor shortages continue to be uh, reported across the region. Most report major shortages, and most state that their H2A are waiting for appointments at the border. Disease pressure is currently moderate to low, but lack of labor could result in quality issues later. Pest pressure is low, but currently weather conditions are suitable for SWD. And that is my report. Jody McPherson giving the crop report for the state of North Carolina. Weather conditions this week are seasonable. We're still slightly on the dry side for this time of the year. For North Carolina, we're still predicting 30 million pounds fresh, 10 million process. The current time this week, advancement of all varieties are underway. Early variety star, Rebel, Susie Blue should begin harvest the first week of May with heavier production week 20 or May 14th. Labor concerns are certainly an issue as uh, we foresee that labor coming out of Georgia uh, from Florida may be delayed coming to us in a timely manner. So we just kind of, we got our fingers crossed and hope for the best there. It's crop report. I'm Mario Ramirez from Mexico and I'm bringing you the report for Mexico exportations. Here in, in Mexico, surprisingly, we have an, an irregular season and in this peak of, of the season. In this point, we should go up, grow each week, but these this last weeks have been irregular. As an example, this week, 15, we are 7% less than previous week and we should go up. This is because the climate in the northern region are irregular too. The, the winter extends a couple of weeks and that was make our, our season a little irregular, but we're expecting a couple of weeks by the end of April, maybe beginning of May. It's what, what our partners are predicting, that we are getting uh, a social and, and get to the peak of the season. This week, Mexico exported 8 million and 347,000 pounds. And, and from this volume, 90% goes to North America. It was uh, almost 8 million pounds. And the total volume for the season is 116 million. That's all my report. Thank you. Eric Staffney reporting from Mississippi and Louisiana. Um, the freeze of March 20th knocked out quite a bit of our production, annual production. In fact, all of our Southern Highbush is gone and a lot of the early rabbit eye, which most of our growers are producing. Um, there are late berries, so operations like Pick Your Own and things like that would have some berries available. Um, probably there will be light volumes coming out of Mississippi at some point. So conditions have been dry uh, for the most part, so not a lot of disease pressure uh, right now. And that's my report. Hello, this is Luis with a prop report from Peru until the end of week 15, which is the week ending on April 16th. 
until the end of week 15 of season 2022-2023, Peru has shipped a total of 629 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this overall volume, 53% has been shipped to the US, 31% to Europe, 13% to China, and 2% to other destinations. Also, from the total volume shipped, 12% have been organics. What happened during week 15? Well, a total of 440,000 pounds were shipped. 68% of the volume was sent to the US with approximately 300,000 pounds, which are expected to arrive at the US market during the first days of May. 9% of the volume shipped during week 15 has been sent to Europe and a reminder 23% to other destinations including Brazil, Canada, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Hong Kong, Panama, Singapore, Thailand and Uruguay. Uh, week 22-23 will uh, come to an end on week 17 and beginning week 18 we are going to start recording the new season for Peru which will be the season 2023-2024. And that's the report for this week. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Elise Oliver, and I'm with the California Blueberry Commission here to give our weekly um, report. Our report still hasn't changed from last week. We're still projecting 80 million pounds with the breakdown of 55 million pounds fresh and 25 million pounds processed. We're still thinking that we're two to three weeks behind due to the colder weather that we've had in California, although the past couple of weeks it's now finally warming up. And I think that almost every day this week um, in the Central Valley is going to be near 80 degrees. So possibly we'll catch up. That's the report for California. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry, including the USDA shipping price and movement, the retail category performance, Nielsen monthly retail sales reports, and much, much more. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. So data, data, data is really such a big piece of what we're doing going forward. And the work you're doing, Steve, is certainly adding to that. I know we've been connecting you with Joe and just making sure that there is a connection between the work in the field, the data that's collected there, and then obviously what ends up on the shelf. And I think uh, increasingly so, USHBC is taking that leadership position and wanting to make that data as available as possible to as many people as possible to understand how this business is really coming together and working. And this yield piece is just so exciting that I know we've got the test of one, but you know, assuming that that can be true, there's, there's a lot of benefits to understanding what's coming out of the fields at that level. And, and anything can happen. And we've certainly seen mother nature take her you know, challenges to our fields with what comes from those fields. But I think we talk about what very smart field in year two is going to look like. And so I thought, Steve, we'd start with just talking about what's new going into this year for very smart fields. Yeah, well, certainly we did double down more on pollination. I know talking to, to Noel Sakuma in San Diego and to your point on the panel that we had on, on pollination, B-Flow, B-Hero and B-Wise are each going to jump in in participating in one or more of the Berry Smart field. So that's a project that we're really excited to see there. Second, I was really excited to see interest from Driscoll's on engaging there as well. 
providing feedback on, look, hey, we've actually already started to engage with this supplier and this is what we found is as interesting and validated, but could you actually double down on validating this? And hey, why don't we bring this other company that we've been doing a little bit of exploratory work with as well? One of those, as an example, is BloomX. BloomX was at World Ag Expo. They didn't make it down to the Blueberry Lane in San Diego. And what it is, is it's a basically a system that they have that has a couple of spring-loaded mechanized arms that is on something that is, I guess, akin to a wheelbarrow that can be pushed down a row. And on each of those arms, it has a small motor that vibrates at the same frequency of a bumblebee. And so as you push that down through the row and it, it lightly touches the base of each of these plants, it's a good way to augment areas that perhaps may historically have struggled with pollination, perhaps it's a shaded area or whatever the, the contributors may be that the bees don't quite want to get into there. And so that's, that's another good example of what will be landing in 2023. We'll also be bringing in the burrow. And some of you have seen the burrow, but if you haven't, um, you'd think I own stock in these guys. We, we all get excited about it. Check out www.burro.ai. Yeah, well, and we can link the show we did with Charlie to uh, this, this episode because, you know, like you're saying, there has been a, a number of conversations about the borough and it was great to see them on Blueberry Lane. So really encouraging to hear that they'll be more involved with, with your project. Well, and I, I think the key here, Casey, is first, it's, it's yield prediction, right? To your earlier point, and, and the number I heard from a few growers was, look, hey, we, we'd like to see it at eight weeks and start doing the countdown even as, as you're going through and picking and, and follow uh, basically the passes to show what's left and help on scheduling. And so the agility that potentially you have with a smaller, lower cost device, I think is, is potentially huge. I mentioned BloomX earlier. They've got a kit that basically goes on one of these as well. So, I mean, again, back to the sweating the assets, if you will, where you could use this for multiple different things throughout the season. And, uh, you know, their price point is low enough where it's not like, you know, doing an outlay for a tractor at, at 60 grand or 100 grand or whatever it may be. Really super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, Amanda, from your perspective, what are you looking forward to in year two? Yeah, I think, you know, Steve mentioned the borough um, and some of the new tech that we're going to put on the borough and for this year. So, really, what I see for year two is that year to really test some of this equipment that's going to allow us to further expand into years three and four. And so I, I'm looking forward to seeing how how this year goes so that we can really take the findings from the tech and just the data that we're pulling, have a whole nother year of data points under our belt, and then start to really be able to expand regionally in the years three and four. So seeing how the borough works with Steve's team this year, I think is really going to be telling for us to see how we can further expand both with Steve's team being on the West Coast, allowing us to really be able to get our feet off the ground in other growing regions next year. So I'm looking forward to those results, seeing how we expand in that space and how we can, you know, build for the future on these projects. All right. Well, Steve, from your perspective, what's your vision for the Berry Smart Field beyond this year? 
we talked from the get-go in our original envisioning with um, Rod and later Paul on the tech committee side on getting to the point where there's a network of very smart farms. So I think that's really exciting on basically getting the formula right where perhaps there's a, a set of anchor tenants, if you will, and then satellites, right? And how do we start to, to get a, a recipe book that's repeatable? Totally agree with Amanda on you know, tying in with the next-gen leadership. I am excited to see some interest from Driscoll's on being more engaged. We got to track down MBG and, and get some hands-on engagement there as well. Figuring out repeatability on on engagement with state and regional blueberry commissions, and then how do we you know better engage as part of the process your land grants? Um, we're fortunate enough last year to do a bit of work with Lisa Devetter at Washington State University. This year, Scott Lucas with Oregon State put up his hand and said, "Hey, I, I want to get engaged to some degree as well, where we're doing some mapping of blueberry buds." And really kind of pushing things earlier in, in the stage, getting toward prediction and, you know, what's the right connect the dots between bud to blossom to berry. I could say that. And then finally, um, we've got interest from Ag Aid, which is a NSF slash USDA funded ag artificial intelligence group that brings together several different universities, including Washington State University, Oregon State University, University of California, Merced, uh, Carnegie Mellon University, IBM, and, and more. And so, bringing them in more formally and having them get engaged. And once you start doing that, then you've got Microsoft and Amazon wanting to get engaged on their big data and helping move things forward as well and getting toward, again, a, a repeatable approach that can have a snowball effect. Awesome. All right. Well, I mean, before we wrap up, I always just like to take a moment and ask, what else? Is there anything else that either of you want to add before we let you go? Well, I'd say first, you take a look at innovate.ag slash berry smart. And so whether you're on the grower side or the tech provider side, there's a contact us page down at the bottom, but there's podcasts. You can listen to this podcast you can listen to kind of historicals. You can look at some of the articles that are out there from Good Fruit Grower and others. If you're on the press side, we'd love to have you shout from the mountaintop the good work that we're doing here across the board. And um, then we'll take your feedback. If you've got anybody that you would like to throw into the mix for consideration this year or going into next, we want to hear it. And what we found is it's a it's a good way to see who's truly interested in getting engaged as opposed to you know somebody that's just trying to to sell you something and run the other direction. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, I appreciate that, Steve. Amanda, anything on your side? No, I don't think there's anything we uh haven't covered other than to say, you know, as you can see, we're only in year 2, so we've got many more years to go, so be on the lookout for a lot of these updates and some exciting new developments, both within the data set and then with the new tech companies that we'll be working with. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate both of you for being on the show today. Uh, for more information about this, we'll put some links in the show notes. I think we might even throw a couple of videos of you and your side by side getting stuck out there in the fields. But uh, this has been a great episode. I hope people are encouraged by the work underway. You know, when we got started, it was uh, it was just this concept, really in theory, based on some of the work you'd done before, Steve, with the uh, Smart Orchard. But 
But here we are, and uh, it's really taking off, and I'm really excited about what more is yet to come. And of course, you've opened the door for more people to contact you, and so it's the kind of energy we were hoping for. So appreciate your work on this, and we'll be sharing more and more of these updates. Amanda will be providing the industry each time we get together more information about what's been accomplished. So looking forward to more reports and looking forward to seeing how the season goes. So thank you, Steve. Absolutely. This has been a ton of fun. Really appreciate the energy and engagement across the board with USHBC and growers. And um, you know, thanks for all the positive energy on this. Good time. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you, Steve. Well, that's it for episode 133. If you're interested in seeing some of this very smart work in action, it's pretty cool. I encourage you to check out our website, check out this information that we'll be providing in the show notes, but really appreciate everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Blueberries.